0: The reading is taken from Mark chapter 8 verse 34 through to chapter 9 verse 1 and can be found on page 1012 of the Church Bible. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power.
1: Please do sit down and let me pray for us as we look at that passage that uh, Sarah read. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we've just been singing of our desire to worship you, to to bow down, to, to follow, and we pray that that would be true. And that as we focus now on these words of Jesus, we would be responding in the way that we've just said we want to. So please help us by your Holy Spirit to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if somebody was to burst into the room and shout out, follow me, what is going to be your first question? Where's the fire? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? who are you? (laughs) I wonder whether one of our questions might be, where are you going? To say, follow me, where? Where? If I'm going to follow you, where are you going to lead me? What, What is it going to be like to follow? I'm quite happy here, thank you. Where are you going? What's it going to be like? Well, as we get stuck into Mark's gospel again, we've had a few months break, that is what this next section is about, not just this week, but in the weeks to come. What does it mean to follow Jesus? We spent all that first chunk of time looking at who are you? Who is Jesus? What's what's this all about? And now it's going, okay, you're calling us to follow you. Where? Will it be easy? Will it be hard? Will it be worth it? In verse 34, Mark chapter 8, Jesus gathers everybody around. He gathers the crowd, he gathers those who are already following him, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, and then he tells them what it's like. So, if you aren't yet a Christian, but you're thinking about it, this is a great Sunday to be here, isn't it? Because Jesus is laying out what to expect. And if we are Christians, and we're maybe starting to wonder, what did I let myself in for? Well, let's find out from this as well. As we find out, according to Jesus, following Jesus means death. Following Jesus means death. Now, those are strong words. That sounds quite full-on, but let's listen to what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's what Jesus says, that following him involves a cross. It involves death. It's not an easy thing, not a comfortable thing deny yourself. That is the absolute opposite message, isn't it, to the world around us. Can you imagine an advert ever saying, don't give in to your impulses. Now, it's always, isn't it, indulge yourself, treat yourself, enjoy yourself. And Jesus says, deny yourself. Deny yourself. But what does that mean? It's not just giving up chocolate for Lent, you know, deny yourself a Snickers every now and again. This is much harder, isn't it? It's saying, say no to yourself in general. Just a couple of chapters ago in Mark chapter 7, Jesus told us our biggest problem is in our hearts, isn't it? It's, it's sin in us. That is what is wrong with us. That is what is what spo- that's what spoils everything. Sin when we are saying no to God, when we are putting ourselves First, when we're doing what we want, not what he wants. Now, I mean, if somebody uh, has the audacity to tell you to do something, what is your gut reaction? Who has got the right to do that? Who has got the right to tell you how to spend your money or how to spend your time or or how to reorder your priorities or or any of those kinds of things? If, if you're anything like me, your gut reaction, at least, is say nobody nobody gets to tell me what to do except me. That is sin, isn't it? That is what our heart calls us to do. So when the world around says, follow your heart, Jesus says, no, don't do that. Your heart is full of sin. Don't do that. Follow me instead. Following Jesus, it starts with that switching of allegiance, allegiance from us to him. And that is a kind of death, isn't it? It's a, a death to our old life, our old life where we called the shots. We're denying ourselves, saying no to ourselves, saying yes to a cross. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Sometimes people say, don't they? Oh, it's a cross I have to bear, or we all have a cross to bear, and that meaning there's always something difficult. And that, that is true. Carrying a cross is. Is difficult. That might be a bit of an understatement. We can miss, though, how dark that actually is. How it would have probably made them go, ooh, that's a strange thing to say. To say, if you want to follow me, you've got to carry your cross. Someone who was going to be crucified had to carry, I mean, this is so morbid, isn't it? You've got to carry the piece of wood that you're going to be nailed to, you've got to carry that all the way to the place where you're going to be killed. You've got to lift this thing. You've got to drag it through the streets. This is not just, oh, everybody has something a bit tough. No, this is, this is more than a heavy thing to move. This is knowing you're going to die. This is the fear of that, the, the pain of that, the shame. As everybody sees you going by, you go, well, they must have done something. They must have done something awful. Because They're off to go and get executed. In America, on death row, When a prisoner leaves their cell for the last time, they're going to go to the electric chair. A prison guard will call out, dead man walking. They're not dead. They're not dead yet, but it's about to happen. It's already begun. That is what it means to take up our cross. When Jesus says that, that's the image he's using. He's saying, are you ready for that Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously put it, he's got a a wonderful book, The Cost of Discipleship, and he says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Following Jesus means death. Verse 35, he equates being his disciple with losing your life for him. Now, have we taken that seriously? Have we taken that call seriously? That Jesus wants us prepared, doesn't he? He wants us ready ready to suffer. Now, for some people, following Jesus literally will mean death. There was an estimated 5,898 Christians who were killed directly for their faith in 2022. Many, many more were imprisoned, many more lost their homes, lost their jobs, just for believing what we believe, for following Jesus. Millions of Christians Around the world, face state-sponsored persecution. It is so good, isn't it, that Jesus is honest. That is not a surprise to him. He he says it very, very, very clearly, that that is what it may cost to follow him. For us in the UK, praise God, we don't face that sort of opposition anywhere near as bad as that. But even for us, in a way, following Jesus means death. It always does. It always has. Every now and again, uh, you'll see a newspaper publishing an article, won't you, or saying something like, Christianity is dying. And it's not true, is it? It's not true. Biblical Christianity is growing, even in the UK. It's less popular than it was to say you're a Christian when you're not. Nominal Christianity, that is on the way out. That may not be a bad thing. So the idea is statistically, Christianity is dying, not true. But as a theological statement, it's quite accurate, actually. Christianity is dying. That's that's exactly what it is like. Dying to yourself, dying to the world, dying to your old life. And that is really painful in our culture where following Jesus is no longer the done thing. You don't get brownie points for just saying you're a Christian or going to church even when you don't believe a word of it we are going to stick out like a sore thumb. We need to hear Jesus' challenge that to follow him means death. It means a willingness to suffer, willingness to be looked down on or rejected, to be mocked, to be made to feel stupid or immoral or outdated, to face the pressure to just fit in and not follow Jesus at work or with our families or with our friends or what we're allowed to say. And the struggle Jesus is talking about isn't just an external struggle. It's not just somebody from outside will be trying to get you. It's the struggle inside against the sin in our hearts. To deny yourself, that is really difficult, isn't it? To have self-control when it comes to our words or, or our habits. Or if there are relationships we know we ought not to pursue. Or if there are priorities that compete with stuff like church or reading our Bibles or all the other things Jesus calls us to do. Serving in any way is a kind of death, isn't it? It's a kind of laying down our own plans, laying down our own preferences, our own self-importance, being willing to sacrifice ourselves for the needs of others. That has always been what it's like to follow Jesus. Whoever, no exceptions, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. We use the word follow, don't we? So flippantly nowadays, you follow somebody on Instagram or you follow the news by occasionally paying attention to it. That's that's not really following, isn't it? To follow somebody is walking behind them, walking in their footsteps, going where they go, doing what they do. And where is it that Jesus went? He said, come and follow me. Where where are you going? To the cross. That is where he was heading. The big climax of Mark's gospel so far, and where where we left off uh, before Christmas, I think it was, Was Peter finally understanding who Jesus is? So chapter 8, verse 29, when Jesus says, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Absolutely right. You're the Christ. You're the King. You're the rescuing one who's come to save us. And as soon as he finds that out, Jesus starts to tell us what he's come to do. So verse 31, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. So he is the king, and he has come to die. He's come to be crucified. And so when he turns to his followers and says, are you ready to follow me? He is saying, are you ready to carry a cross? Are you ready to go where I'm going? Are you ready to walk the way Of the cross, are we ready for that? Are we following Jesus knowing that it may mean death? Now, you might be uh, hearing all of this and going, Wow, that sounds awful! That sounds really bad. I thought you wanted us to follow Jesus. Is this not what we're trying to do? Are we not trying to encourage each other to do it, not put each other off? Why are we talking about how hard it will be? Well. Jesus doesn't seem to be worried about putting people off, does he? He's very upfront about it, very upfront. He wants us to know these things. It might put some people off at the start, but it will stop other people from giving up later when it is difficult and we weren't expecting it. I've heard somebody uh, explain it like this. Imagine you're on a plane and you're heading somewhere nice. That's a nice thought, isn't it? You're on a plane going somewhere nice, and the steward comes over and says, I wonder if I might interest you in this luxury rucksack. Just have to imagine it's my rucksack. Anyway, this luxury rucksack. <laughs> and you say, well, what, what's all this about? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. You, you wear it during the flight, and it makes your seat really comfortable, really comfortable. It gives you extra luggage allowance. The colour, oh, it just really goes very well with your eyes. We only offer this luxury rucksack to our VIP passengers. So you, this, this is a stylish thing for the must-have uh, uh, discerning flyer. It's very, very, very cool. And so you go, oh, okay, OK. So you then you, uh, you would put it on and uh, go back to your flight. And then after a while, you would go, this is actually not comfortable. <laughs> this is not comfortable. I can't quite sit back all the way. The bag's already full, so it doesn't really help me with any more luggage. The straps are really digging in. And when you find that, what are you going to do? You're going to take it off, aren't you? You're going to go, well, this didn't enhance my flight experience. It didn't live up to what was promised. So I'm going to take it off. I'm going to not put it back on again. But if instead we're on a plane and the estuary goes, put this on. It is a parachute. We are about to crash. You'd put it on, wouldn't you? And you would keep it on. And you would go, this makes the seat a bit lumpy. I feel a bit silly wearing it. I'm one of the only people who's got one. Well, wouldn't you start saying, you put one of these on as well. You wouldn't be going, I'm the only one, I might take it off. you go, no, come on, everybody, stick one of these on. And it's the same thing with Jesus. He isn't pretending that being his disciple is going to make life easier now. He's saying this is absolutely essential. Following Jesus means death, but following Jesus is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Whatever the the discomfort, whatever the silliness we feel, whatever the pain that comes our way, it is worth it. And that is what the rest of the passage is about. Yes, it's hard, but the alternative is, is much, much worse. And this is a wonderful promise for us. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So some people hear the call of Jesus, hear what it means and go, no, that's not for me. I don't want to die. I'd rather save my life. I'd rather carry on as I am, thank you very much. And Jesus is saying that would be a huge, huge mistake. Because people who try to save their lives, people who try to avoid all the hardship of following Jesus, will eventually lose out. It's only those who will gladly give up things now, give up their life for Jesus now, who end up winning. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. It's not, it's not going to work. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. It's so upside down, isn't it? It turns everything around to tell us that following Jesus is worth it. Like with that parachute, if you are just interested in comfort, you will take it off. And you will find that a plane crash is much less comfortable than you think. But if we are willing to put up with that discomfort for a short time, it will save our lives. And when we put it like that, it is a no-brainer, isn't it? He's trying to put these two things side by side and going, yes, it's very difficult. I'm very upfront about that. But it's obvious the choice we should make, isn't it? Verse 36, Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What, what does that gain you? What does that give you? What it, what's it good is it to be as comfortable as you could possibly be now and end up absolutely, utterly lost? That would be such a stupid, stupid swap. You may know of Jim Elliott, a hero of mine, who was a missionary, killed by the people he was trying to reach with the gospel. And he would have said that that death was absolutely worth it. He'd written in his diary before it happened, famously, he is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's another way of saying what Jesus says, isn't it? He is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Our life is really, really short. It is really short. It doesn't feel like it, but it will be over in a heartbeat. heartbeat. And, and, and then we're going to have forever to deal with. And Jesus is saying when we get to be with him, when we get to experience the ever-increasing joy of being with him, in a world made perfect, with eternity to look forward to. All of our struggles now will seem a tiny price to pay. Following Jesus is worth it. It is a hard road, but the destination will make up for it. Do we believe this? Do we actually think this is true, that Jesus is actually coming back? This isn't just an idea or a nice thought, but he—it's actually there will be a future day when the only thing that matters is what we did with Jesus, whether we followed him or not. How silly would it be on that day to stand there and go, I didn't want my friends to think I was weird. Jesus has a stark warning, doesn't he, for anybody who isn't willing to be associated with him. Verse 38, he says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Now, we all know what it's like to be embarrassed about somebody. We all know what it's like probably to be ashamed of Jesus, to not want to be lumped in with him and his people, to wince a bit of some of the things he says, like this bit, and feel a bit embarrassed about how all or nothing he is. We want to push him away. We want to have nothing to do with him. He, he walks and we just walk a little bit slower. So there's a bit more of a gap between us. That is he saying, that is how he will feel towards those who feel that way. He's saying, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you on that day. I will push you away. I will distance myself from you, just as you sought to distance yourself from me that is a terrifying prospect, isn't it? When he comes in his glory, when his people come to share in his victory, for him to go, not you, not you. You you didn't want to follow me. You didn't want to follow me, so you don't get to go where I'm going. That's how following me works. This is not what you wanted, so you don't have it. Not following Jesus is not worth it but following him is as we remembered recently didn't we good friday comes before easter sunday there is crucifixion but then there is resurrection and jesus is saying look if you follow me if you're willing to follow me on the way of the cross you will follow me out of the tomb as well you will follow me to that glory that is coming And as if to prove it, Jesus adds this at the start of chapter 9. He says, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. What does that mean? Well, he's saying that some of those first disciples, some of them were going to get a sneak preview. We're going to see this side of death, a glimpse of the glory that is coming. And that's what we'll see next week when we look at at the transfiguration, that, that proof, that moment where we get to see he really is king. Okay, he's heading for a cross, but that is what is coming. His kingdom really has come, will come in power. And so in view of that great future, we follow him now, don't we? We follow him now because it will absolutely be worth it. I don't know if you've seen uh, the news about this, but uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon, there is going to be a test of the new uh, UK emergency alert system. So every f- mobile phone in the country, unless you've made sure it switched off or something, will make a noise, will vibrate, will receive a message. It's quite exciting, really, isn't it? It's uh, I realise it's going to be at half time in football this afternoon, so you know, it won't interrupt big things. But anyway, it's quite, quite exciting. But I'm going to spoil it for you because I've seen that message. Anyone who was reading the news can have read it already. This is what the last two lines of that message will say This is a test. You do not need to take any action. That's what he's going to say. He's going to talk about this is the new alert system, blah, 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 blah. This is a test you do not need to take any action. That is the absolute opposite of what Jesus is saying, isn't it? This is not a test. This is not a drill. This is real. This is happening, and it does demand a response. If we hear what Jesus is saying here when he says about being his disciple and taking up a cross and following him, and, uh, and you say, well, no, I'm not going to take any action. On this. I'm going to put this off. I'm not going to do anything. That is taking an action, isn't it? That is ignoring him, that is, saying no to him. If you have not yet become a disciple of Jesus, listen to what he says. As he says to you what he said to his disciples, come, follow me. This is not a test. You do need to take action. Come, follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more worth doing. Don't be put off by the hardships. Now, I, I'm I'm sure that even after everything I've been saying today about death, about difficulty, that there will still be people here today saying, I want to follow him. Because that is how compelling Jesus is. That is how wonderful the hope that he offers is, to still say, okay, I know all that. I know it. I know it. But I want To follow him. I wonder, is that you? Are you finding yourself strangely drawn to Jesus? Well, come and follow him. He is the way to life, wherever he leads in the meantime. Jesus talks in verse 35 about losing our lives for him and for the gospel. So he's claiming that the things he's saying are gospel. That's good news come and die. Good news. But actually, this is good news because he could very well say, couldn't he? Whoever wants to be my disciple, tough. You can't be. You've blown it. Your sin rules you out. I don't want you coming with me where I'm going. But he doesn't say that. He still says, whoever wants to be my disciple, come and follow me. That is good news. He still invites us to follow. And he can do that. So people like us, because he has gone there, he's already been to the cross. He's already carried it. He's already been nailed to it for our sins. He's done what needs to be done to put us right with God. So so when he says, come and die, when he says, come and follow, he isn't saying, come and show me what you're made of. Come and show me that you're good enough. Come and earn your place. Come and suffer like you deserve to. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I have suffered for your sins. I have died for you. So come with me. Come with me and I'll lead you through. That is the most wonderful, wonderful news. We've talked about it a lot, but that is why we're running Hope Explored this week, to actually explore that sort of hope, to say there is a chance to look at that, what Jesus is promising, examine it, test it, find for ourselves whether it's true, come and follow me. Will we do that? And for many of us, we will say, yes, actually, I I do follow you and I I want to follow you, Jesus. And we have been for some time. And this speaks to us as well, because Jesus was saying this to the crowd and to his disciples. So this isn't something you go, oh yeah, well, I don't need to know this stuff because I'm already a Christian. No, he says to the people who've already committed to follow him, let me remind you what it's like to be my disciple, to keep following, to not give up, to not drop out, to to keep going. Maybe you are finding it particularly hard at the moment. You're very aware of the cost and that life without Jesus seems very, very tempting. Can I encourage you? That is totally normal. That is why Jesus was warning us about it, telling us what it would be like, that it would feel like death sometimes. But he does that to remind us of the future day when we will be so glad that we didn't give up. It could be that you're very aware that lately you haven't been following very close. You've not been denying yourself, whether in a particular way or or in general. That is all of us from time to time, isn't it? Let's keep following. This evening, we're going to be thinking uh, about the call in 1 John to not love the world. Well, why not come back this evening for more help, more encouragement in that direction? Because the world can look so shiny, the idea of, of not having to give up anything, <laughs> so comfortable, but it's an illusion. In around uh, 1000 AD, nearly 200 years after his death, people opened up the tomb of the Roman Emperor Charlemagne. And they found that it was full of treasure, full of dazzling jewels and gold. And there he was, still sitting on his throne, buried in all his finery. The Emperor Charlemagne, still with his crown on his skull, with a Bible on his lap and a bony finger pointed at Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What a terrible thing it would be to get everything and lose what matters. Jesus is not offering you a luxury rucksack. Let's keep following him. Why don't I pray that we would? Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for these words, for the warning that they are, for the wake-up call that they are, but for the encouragement as well, that it will be worth it. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for telling us the truth about what it means to follow you. We pray that each one of us here would be willing to follow you today and going on from now convince us please that it will be and is worth it and we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.